The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Good morning, good morning. If you'd like to take your seats, it's great to see you in the house of God. I trust that you are encouraged and well. Yeah, I can see one or two smiling faces. I know we've had an election this week, but you should be smiling all the more. Our elections make life interesting for us. Isn't that right, Colin? (laughs) We praise God. It's a great privilege for us to be able to have Pastor Mark Daniel with us this morning, as you've heard all the way from Florida. Many of you know Pastor Mark. Some of you have never met Pastor Mark, so therefore you're going to meet him in a moment. Mark is a great encouragement. He helps to oversee our church and give us input and encouragement and strength. And one of the things I would say particularly about that is Mark has not given up on us. Now, you know what? (laughs) That may sound funny, but there's a sense in which sometimes when it gets a bit hard or you've been with somebody for a while, you think, okay, well, let them get on with it now. But Mark very graciously has stayed with us and has kept encouraging us and and helping us to grow the church. And we're very grateful for you. Mark, and for what you do to us. So bless you. Come and speak to us this morning. We greet you in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I was just thinking of an introduction that I had that was a little bit different than that one, but uh, where someone said, I know that you weren't expecting to see Mark Daniel here to share, but let's give him a listen anyway. I really was thinking that I really see a lot of life growing in this church. So I'm not enduring with you at all. I I feel blessed to see what God is doing, see how he's bringing more people to be a part of things, the way the leadership is wanting to seek after God. It really feels like the Holy Spirit is gaining more and more control is what we want. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect leader. There's no perfect any of these things. But what we really want is allow the Holy Spirit to gain more control because then Jesus can be glorified. And if Jesus is glorified, then he's going to impact families, the community around and all of that. So I love what I'm seeing go on in this church. Amen. I have to admit that I don't know a lot. I understand everything about what's going on with your election, but I have to tell you, I've been suffering under my own stuff in my own country. (laughs) I don't know what's happening there. So we commiserate together. Amen. We're going to talk today because I really believe we're supposed to be conquerors. Jesus died so that we could be saved. Not so that we just go to heaven. So that he could rescue us from the kingdom of darkness. We are told that we are more than conquerors. I mean, to be more than a conqueror means a huge victory. We are meant to be people that are walking with authority, with the sense of uh, the, the enemy's not intimidating us. Yet, I find so often in the church that we're not walking in the fullness of our victory. So, I, I started teaching some about overcoming life's challenges. And, and one of those that I 
really focused in on was how do we overcome temptation? Every single one of us gets tempted regularly. There's nobody in here that is not facing temptation. And when you face temptations to doubt, you face temptations to be afraid and be anxious. You face temptations to lust. You face temptations to be prideful and arrogant or self-reliant. You face temptations to be angry and allow that, that bitterness or that resentment to stir in your heart. Or just to be pitied and wounded and like a victim and act like everybody's against you. I mean, there's different kinds of temptations that we face. And every time we give in to some temptation or we live where a temptation has victory over us, like some of us know, there are some temptations when they come, there's not even a fight anymore. It just comes straight in. It just comes in and starts operating. So I, I really started wanting to go, look, let's look at what the Bible says about how we can overcome temptation. Because I believe Jesus Christ defeated every weapon of the enemy. Somebody say amen to that. He defeated every weapon. We're not meant to be victims. We are meant to be victors. So, Father, we come to you this morning. We want the word of God to go forth. We want our hearts to receive it, there to be good soil, and that the word of God can bear fruit in our lives. Father, you know the weapons the enemies formed at us. And you said that you brought us through the death of your son Jesus into a place of victory that we are now conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. So, Father, we want to begin to ask you to help break through areas of our life and allow the victory of Jesus to be manifest, to be manifest in our lives. So, Lord, we're asking for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we're looking, I want to just read this one verse, 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. We have an enemy, and he is going to seek to attack us. In fact, he loves to attack when it's the, the most uh, difficult moment or most vulnerable moment or the weak moment. You know he, he doesn't play fair. There's no compassion with the devil. There's no softness with the devil. You, you even find there's times when you, you realize even a not good person would give you a break at a certain minute uh, because they just realize, well, they've had a hard time. The devil doesn't play that way. He attacks even though he knows that that day has been so hard. But the Bible says in here, he's looking to devour you, but resist him. That means the Bible's not telling us to do something you can't do. It's saying resist him, stand firm in your faith, because Jesus has given you a victory. You are not a victim to this roaring lion. So I want to look at how to overcome temptation. But first of all, I want to understand really what, how does temptation work? Now, to understand that, I want to talk about that there are five basic drives that are inside every human being. And the, what the temptation is, is to try to meet your needs, to try to meet those basic drives in your life in a way that's not of God. And the temptation is, go this way instead of what God said, to try to get that need. Now, if you'll, I think I have slides up here. Those five basic drives, the first one is, there's a drive inside of us for significance. We want to feel like our life matters. We want to feel like we have something to contribute, even if it's to our family. 
or to our work or to our society or to our church. We want to feel like our lives can make a difference. There's something special about me or you. And biblically, if you hold on to God that he created you for a purpose, that he put you in this time in history because he has something he wants to do with your life, and if you realize that he's your creator and that as you give yourself to him, he will bring you into the fullness of the plans he has for you. If you trust that and yield and walk in that, you begin to see God bring your life to the purpose that he made it. But if you don't trust that, you get tempted to make things your idols like jobs or money or people, or status. You're trying to seek those things out there to feel that need for significance instead of trusting God, that he's got a purpose for your life. The second need or drive is approval. Every single one of us wants to feel accepted and valued. We all have, want to have a sense of worth to ourselves. That's the reason why I think the enemy loves to accuse us day and night to make us feel worthless, to make us feel defeated, and we want to feel that our life, that we have a place of belonging that, that people accept. And that's the reason rejection sometimes is some of the most painful things we've experienced in life. Now, this need for approval can be met when we come to really know God as our loving Father and we're His much loved sons and daughters. When you come to, into the the perfect love of God, when you come into the unfailing love of God, when you come into trust the redemptive love of God and know that He accepted you and adopted you and made you his own, not because of your merit, but because of his goodness and grace. And you receive that love. It fills that place in you. But when you don't trust that love, then many times, that's where Jesus talked about, they seek the approval of man instead of the approval of God. And it's a trap. Living for the approval of people is a constant trap. Because people are like, they like you this day, the next day they're against you. One day they think you're great, the next day they think you're wearing ugly clothes or they're talking about your shoes. I mean, you just know the way. And we get like a roller coaster ride. A third is connection. We, we don't want to be alone. God said it's not good for man to be alone. We want to belong. We want to be in the sense of community. We want closeness with others. We want fellowship and community and family. And one of the biggest areas of connection is sex. And people want to feel intimate and close and all of this. So the devil loves to put out these feelings to get this drive met in forbidden ways. Through fornication, adultery, pornography, immorality. And you see people going out and this can get out of control. Their lives can become really shame-filled or feel broken. Because they're trying to get a need met, but they're doing it in a way that is forbidden of God. Because God's not doing it to be strict. He's doing it because he knows if you go that way, you're opening yourself to the enemy. And he literally will begin to steal from you. The next is security. We all want to feel protected, safe, like we have a hope and a future. And in this unstable world... Come on, you know what I'm saying. In this unpredictable world, it's hard to feel that way. You either trust that God has you, that God's going to take care of you, that God, he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now, if God holds you in the hollow of his hand and you will not walk through any valley of the shadow of death without him, that he will always be your companion, always be your guide, always be your strength, always be your protector, then there is a sense of security even in the midst of the storm. 
But if we're not trusting God and we're trying to find our security in people or money or status or position or title or all this stuff, then we're constantly struggling with different temptations. Last is we all are worshipers. We're made to worship. Something needs to be the center of our lives. If you don't worship God, you'll worship something else. You'll worship self. You'll worship the things of the world. That's the reason the Bible says if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Worship becomes what drives your life, what gives fuel and passion to your lives. Whenever we don't worship the one true God, then we will worship money or sex or people or self or hobbies or anything like this. Now, these are basic drives. I wanted to lay that as a foundation because now let's understand how temptation works. Look at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. James 1, 13 through 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when his own evil desires. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now he's saying here, God does not tempt anyone. It is the desires of your flesh. It is those drives and those needs that you have. The devil is trying to get you to distrust God and to turn to something else to meet those needs. And whenever he hits you with those, because he'll hit somebody over here different than he hits you. Like some things don't tempt me, but some things will tempt you. And vice versa, all the way around. But he comes to tempt those desires. And then he says, being tempted is not a sin. It's when you give in to the temptation that we begin to see sin come in. Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet he did not sin. So let's look at this. I I put down here four processes to uh, temptation. So you can even begin to see how it works. First of all, there is the invitation. It says in verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. The first part of temptation is the enemy is it's like someone coming to knock at the door. They're trying to draw you away, draw you away from the path of God, draw you away from keeping your eyes on the Lord, draw you away from that position of trusting God and believing God to draw you away by your own evil desires. Instead of trusting God, Become your own defender. I mean, you can get like a knock at the door can be someone calls you and tells you what somebody said about you. And now all of a sudden that knock is, boy, I want to get mad. I want to rise up in myself. I want to think of all the evil stuff I can think about them. Think about how they haven't done this and how they've done that. You're being tempted to leave that position of loving God and being his vessel of love. And you're being tempted to go into your own desires. And to begin to be your defender instead of trusting God to be your defender. You know the church is supposed to be known for love. Yet I don't see the love of God flowing out of the church. You see judgment and criticism and hurt. Why? We're being tempted. We're not trusting God to be our defender. Trusting God to take care of us. So we get tempted. Sometimes we, we feel, I, I picture temptation like a salesman that comes to the door. I don't know if you have that. We have that in America. Somebody come knock at the door. You look at, oh, no. 
And you know, if I answer the door, they're not going to take no for an answer. They're going to be there forever. One time, I, they knocked at the door. They could look in through the window next to the door and see me. Because most of the time, we try to hide and act like we're not there. Shh, everybody be quiet. But he could see me, and I thought, oh. So I waved at him. He looked at me. I waved again. He's like, are you going to get up? And I just said, no, (laughs) we don't want any. No, thank you. Many times temptation knocks at your door. You don't have to open the door. If you open the door, that's when he can begin to do the next phase. But you realize temptation will knock. Just because it knocks doesn't mean we have to bow. Just because anger is sitting at the door doesn't mean you have to go with it. Just because lust is sitting at the door, just because fear is sitting at the door doesn't mean we have to go with it. Just like that salesman, you know if I open this door, they're going to keep pushing me and pushing me until I give in some way. I don't want to open this door. You have power in Jesus to say no. You turn to Jesus when you hear the knock. In fact, in Romans 6, it says that, you, that the power of sin and death has been broken because of Jesus Christ, that you have died to it. You're no longer belong to it. Do you realize that when Jesus ransomed you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of son, the legal right that sin has to you was broken. It's not, you're not a victim to it. You have power in Jesus to not open that door. Temptation is trying to get you to get those needs met, to get those things met by going in illegitimate ways. And you know, if I open this door, the pull's going to get harder. There's going to push more and it's going to begin to try to wear me down. Number two, the second part of the phase of the attack of temptation is enticement. It says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away from their own evil desires and enticed. One of the things I've noticed with temptation is if you just let it sit there in your mind for a while, like what they said, you're thinking about what they said. I haven't gone with mad yet. I haven't risen up in my flesh and started getting critical. I haven't really gone with my defense mechanisms, but I'm just thinking about what they said. The longer I sit there, you can feel the enticement. It's just drawing you drawing you, drawing you. Take your eyes off of God. Jesus said to forgive as you've been forgiven. Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. Instead of looking at that, it's drawing me away and drawing me to the enticement. And it starts trying to draw me. And the longer you let it stay in your mind, the more it wears you down. See, once our drives have been awakened. Once sin is, it says it starts trying to seduce us. It starts trying to entice us. It's like the longer you stay in enticement, the more dangerous it becomes. The more you're going to succumb. Sometimes you can sit there for a few, an hour in enticement. You think, no, I'm not going with it, but I'm hanging around it. And all it takes sometimes is one thought that you make agreement with that it comes in. Just one thought. Yeah, that's not fair. That's not fair. So I justify my anger. Yeah, I need that. If I don't get that, what am I going to do? So I justify my greed or my lust. You realize it's it's dangerous place to sit around the enticement. This passage here in Matthew 26, 41. 
Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Now hear this. There is a way for temptation to be out there. But there's a way which I begin to enter into temptation. There's a difference when it's out there on the other side, then it begins to come in and begins to get near. When you enter into temptation, you begin to feel the power of the temptation intensify. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You begin to feel the mad boiling. You begin to feel the lust burning. You begin to feel the fear overwhelming and anxiety building. You realize it's not out there anymore. It's in here. It's gotten near. Jesus said, keep praying that you will not enter into it. Once you let temptation in, it begins to influence you. It begins to overwhelm you. It begins to fill you. It begins to like stir up your flesh. When you're outside, the temptation is there. You may be noticing it. You may even hear the, the enticements around. But once you make agreement with it, you let it in. Once you say, that's right, I do deserve that, then it comes in. And when it comes in, it starts beginning to ravage. And look at 1 Peter 2, 11. It says, abstain from your sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. It begins to wage war. That's the reason some people can't sleep at night, because they let the temptation in. And then the hateful feelings, the worried thoughts, the fearful things are tormenting them. They're waging war on their soul. They're literally attacking their soul. Their peace is being robbed. Their joy is being taken. Their eyes being able to stay on Jesus is being diverted. And their hearts are hardening. They're trying so hard to stay before the Lord, but they let the temptation in. Third is decision. John 1.15 says, desire is conceived and it gives birth to sin. I've realized that I can sense the temptations out there. I better not hang around this, but sometimes you do. You just start hanging around it. You're listening to its arguments. You're listening to its bait that it's trying to draw you in. Then you say, yes, I agree. And then you see it begins to come in. And you made agreement. You still haven't acted yet. You've just made agreement. But now that it's come in, you see the first thing is sin begins to poison the mind and the heart. As it begins to come in, you, you accept, you yield. And the sinful decision begins to poison that. And then it begins to cause action. The lust gets acted on. The anger gets acted on. The, the words get spoken out to cause harm. The fear begins to affect your decisions, your perspectives. You see, once sin begins to come into our minds and our thoughts, we get darker inside. The temptation, the sin begins to come more intense. It hardens us. It deadens us. It steals from us. It begins to even weaken our will. Do you know what I'm talking about? It weakens your will. Like your eyes were set. I want to go with the Lord. Now your will is, I don't know if I can. Jesus died to set us free from the darkness. But literally, when we listen to that enticement, I mean, let, let me picture it this way. You and I were dead in sin in our trespasses. We were literally belonged to the devil. He had the right to hound us, enslave us, hold us in bondages. Jesus Christ came, paid our debt, 
ransomed us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Father. Now we've been adopted. We've been given a new name, a new inheritance. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're sons and daughters of the king. We can go boldly into the throne of God. And the enemy doesn't have a right to us until we start listening to that enticement. And once we agree with him, we agree with his counsel instead of the counsel of God, we literally let the enemy, the kingdom of darkness, to come in. And it doesn't just take that one area or that one sin. It begins to attack us and begin to sour us. Once you let that bitter thought in, it starts creating resentment and disdain. And he's trying to steal your, your precious things, your calling, your purpose. You're standing with God that now you feel disconnected from God. You've given him the legal right to attack you. Jesus said anyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. You realize that once you've come into agreement with this sin, it starts staying longer, doing more damage, causing more harm than you wanted. And it's beginning to really affect things in your life. In fact, if we could just pull ourselves back, we would realize these sins that we've allowed to become repetitive are really harming our relationship to God, our own soul, our relationships to other people, even the purpose that God created us for. Last is death. James 1.15 said, sin when it's full grown gives birth to death. Sin is not just an act. It's rebellion from God, and it gives the enemy the legal right to attack you. And the enemy, he's the enemy of your soul. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy all he can. And sin is like a cancer. It won't relent until you repent, until you break agreement with it. You break agreement with what it's been selling you, that your resentment is justified, that your woundedness is protecting you. You break agreement with this lust or this pride, and you come back into agreement with God. This thing will continue just to attack you, set up strongholds. It'll begin to harden you and deaden you, and it'll begin to steal things from your future, your destiny, and even areas of your life it'll try to kill. There are some people that were meant to be gentle. They were meant to be gentle. But they've lost some of that gentleness because of the bitterness and the hurt that they've allowed to stay in their heart. That's who that God created them to be. But the enemy's trying to steal it from them. Now, I'm going to be honest. If you repent and you begin to give yourself to God, he can restore what the enemy's taken. It's not hopeless, but it's no game to play with sin. It brings death. I mean, there are things he's stolen from you that you're to pass on to your children, but you can't even find them now because we've just said yes to this sin and that sin and that sin and that sin. And there's death that's come into our camp that Jesus never intended for you to live in. So the question comes, how do we overcome temptation? Let's go quickly through this. First of all, it's by God's power, not willpower. It's God's power that breaks temptation. It's not you. How many of you said, I'm not going to do that ever again, but then you do it. It's not willpower. 
It's not human power. We have tried to figure out strategies. We have tried to make promises. We have beaten ourselves up. We have done everything we can to try to stop doing this or that or the other. It's not willpower. It's God's power. God, Jesus, I mean, the book of James says, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. What does it mean to submit to God? It means to release the control of your life to God. I want your will, not my will. It's to make him Lord, to treat him as the Lord of our lives. If you come into submission to God, you're literally saying, I'm following you. You're in charge. You're in control. You sit on the throne of my heart. When you submit to God, the devil has to flee. And when I ever am struggling and I'm under attack and I find myself tripping and tripping and tripping, I always pray myself into a position of surrender and trust and submission to God. When you come into a place of surrender, I want your will. The plans you have for me are good. I want you to be in charge of me. When I begin to pray into that position, pray into the obedience of the things God's speaking then I begin to see God is like puts a wall around me. You don't feel so vulnerable to the temptation. You realize the first attack of temptation is to draw you away. To draw you away from what? God. To draw you away from that position of trust and confidence in God. So first step we do, we've got to come back to yield ourselves to God as our rightful king. Amen. Jesus Christ is our victory, not our willpower. The one that's in us is greater than the one that's in the world, the enemy. But it's Jesus. It's not self-reliance. The power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells within you. That's the Holy Spirit. We need Him. We need to run back and yield to Him. One of the first things you do is break agreement with the enemy and you come back into agreement with Jesus that He's Lord, that He's leader, that His will is good and perfect. Submit yourself to God. I find also, if you walk with a life that is submitted to God, He protects you from temptation. He literally will build things in your life that will build up protection so you're not so vulnerable to fall. If you don't walk with God on a regular basis, then you find yourself not even sure how to protect your life. Why do I always fall to that? God, it doesn't matter if your family has three generations of, of a hot, being temper, a hard, a temper easy to go. Jesus Christ can build your life where the temper does not control you. Because he can begin to show you, let go of this, trust me with that. It doesn't matter if you've known lust your whole since you became, went through uh, puberty. Jesus Christ can begin to show you, don't watch this kind of thing. Turn away from this. He can begin to build foundations in our lives where there is not cracks and breaks. One of the things I realized is that he says that he will even tell you what's going to happen before it happens. There's many times as I walk in a yielded place with God that he will tell me, how to prepare for a battle that's coming down the road. He's a good shepherd. He prepares his sheep for what they're going to face. Submission to God is don't just submit when you're under attack. Live a lifestyle yielded to God. And he will begin to protect you. Tell you what's going to come. I remember one time God spoke to me and said, Pastor Nick is getting ready to come under attack. Pray for him. 
And he started showing me these storm clouds forming from all sides and angles and beginning to break over him. And I started praying for him, and then God showed me how to pray. And then I went and told him, Nick, this is what God has shown me. And his life came under a lot of attack. I mean, from every angle, he was having all kinds of health problems, and all these things were coming from every angle. But you see, he knew it's okay. God's going to see me through. He's already even told people to pray for me. But if you don't have that security, then the battles make you weary. And before long, the enemy attacks and you give in to the temptation. So the first is submit to God. One of the things I know is also in this, it's, it's God's power, not willpower. God's given you weapons. Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. If you're in the word of God, if you're in prayer, if you're seeking the presence of God, God is light. Light always pushes out darkness. Light always does. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, what did he respond with? It is written. The word of God. It is written. The word of God is something that we turn to, that we live in. That we use to help us. In fact, when I taught, was teaching my children when they were little to read the Bible, to let their soul be saturated in the Bible, my son started noticing this changes the appetites inside of me. My very desires are changing as I'm in the Word of God. If you're in the world, guess what's your appetites? You will be very vulnerable to temptation because your appetites are being fed with the things of this world. Amen. Number two, how do we overcome? Run from temptation. Flee. Don't hang around. Don't act like it's no big deal. Matthew 26, 41 says, pray that you'll not enter into temptation. You don't hang around the enticement. You don't Turn around and let it just be there. The hurt thought, the pity thought, the negative thought, the fearful thought. You don't hang around that. You realize that's a trap. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires. I remember one time last year, someone had done something that has been a, a most trusted friend. Somebody I had counted on and trusted for years and years and years and then they all of a sudden just shut their heart and turned away and were cold and indifferent and then I heard that their their his wife was saying these terrible things untrue mean things about me and I felt like the devil himself was right in front of me just trying to pour hurt and discouragement and wanting me to choose to take that hurt and get angry to take that hurt and get justified. And I knew it took me two days to fight that until it was broken and it left. That it didn't get in. I knew it can't get in. If it gets in, it's going to defile me. If it gets in, it's going to torment me. So I stayed there praying. Sometimes you're trying to flee stuff and it doesn't happen in a second. But I literally was submitting my soul to walk in love and forgiveness and grace instead of allowing resentment and hurt and anger to take a place you've got to flee the enticement you've got to get away from these things that are trying to grab us it's a trap and if you don't flee sometimes they're just quick they just run through your mind oh 
just have a thought. Let me go click this on the internet. And you need to pray. I reject that in the name of Jesus. My eyes, I set on nothing impure. I set them on the things of God. I'm not going to play with that. I mean, you literally reject that thought. But sometimes it's like all hell's trying to push you to go with that old pattern or to go into that negative thing. And you run to the Lord. You run to the Lord. He is your hope and your help and your strength. Do you realize Jesus is your Savior? Not back when you made the decision for him, but right there in the middle of the battle. He saves you. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's in the middle of the battle that you cry out to your Savior. He's the one that will rescue you from going with that pull or that thought or that way. I know a lot of times people set, they realize I need to set boundaries in my life. I can't just operate like there's no dangerous areas. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Sometimes when you're in that battle, you need to ask the Lord, what's the way out of this? What's the way out from under this temptation? I mean, sometimes you may, I remember when I have two married sons, but when they, before they were married, they were really seeking to walk in purity in their relationship. And my, one of my sons started praying, God, what do I need to do to stay where my heart doesn't want to go and basically go and begin to go into impurity with my girlfriend or fiance at this time. And they realize there's things we can't watch. There's things that we can't do. Let's, there is a way that God started showing them, protect yourself this way and you'll not feel vulnerable to that attack. In fact, now I, I love it because many young people come to them and ask them, hey, I want to walk in the way you did. How do I do that? They gained a breakthrough that other people now have a hope. You can live in purity before you get married. There's certain people you realize, I can't hang around those people. They talk so negative, I go negative when I'm around them. I, I literally realize it's just baiting me to go back into that old pattern, to go back into that. You realize there's certain things, I can't watch those things. If I watch them, it feeds this in me. There's certain things I can't do. You realize I need to run from temptation, not set up all kinds of traps around myself and then wonder why. Why do I keep falling for this? Number three, fulfill your needs in God's way. God told Adam, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden. He provided a legitimate way to fulfill Adam's needs, drives. And if Adam was eating the fruit God had provided for him, he would have not been hungry for the forbidden fruit. God wants to fulfill your needs through his provision. And if you are turning to him for that, he will give you a way through in anything. I remember one time I was in a situation where I'm working with somebody. It was very adverse, very discouraging, very frustrating. It's very hard to keep your heart open and soft and not going into a negative place with this person. And it was very easy to lose my peace and my joy and all of this kind of stuff. And I started praying, God, what's the way through this? Because I find discouragement almost instantly there. 
And he said, I'm not for you and against him. I'm for my purposes. Pray for my purposes to prevail. God gave me a way. I started praying that. I started praying for the purposes of God for that person to be fulfilled. I started praying. You called them. You chose them to come out of the lifestyle they were in, out of the darkness they were in, and you called them for a purpose, to be a a person that could share your light to the people around them. You did this, this. I started praying for that purpose to be fulfilled, God's purpose. And I got free. I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't beaten down. He offered a way through. We need to begin to look to God instead of saying, oh, here's that person that I resent and can't stand. Let me go back into that negative thinking and those critical thoughts. Let me just stew in that all day long. Let me come home and tell my husband about how bad they are. Let me just sit in that. Let me go to bed at night thinking about it and then wonder, why don't I enjoy when I get up in the morning being with the Lord? You just flooded yourself with all this stuff that's just flesh. I remember I, I had lived in another state, and, and I moved to Florida. I was 28 years old, and I came to take over a, a, a much bigger church. A lot of stress, a lot of strain, and it, it, had, it had a history of running pastors out. Like, they wouldn't last more than two years. And I didn't realize, you know, I was naive. I was kind of maybe thinking, oh, I can handle that. Well, I, I was being eaten up by it. And I started asking God, God, I need a friend. God, I need a friend. I have a legitimate need for a friend. I kept falling into discouragement. I kept falling into just negative places. And God, I need a friend. So I'm telling God how to meet my need. And I told him for a year, God, I need a friend. Finally, one day, I stopped telling God what I need, and I said, God, what is going to help me get through here? And he really brought to my awareness, I will give you a friend, but first, I want to be the most intimate person you have. I want you to come to know me, that I'm closer than a brother. I want you to know the depth to which I can relate to you and carry you and lead you. And when you begin to let that be the foundation of your life, I'll bring a friend to your life. Now, I want to explain something to you. That time in my life became the foundation of everything I did for the rest of my adult life. I have been calling people to seek God, to walk with God. That that Christianity is not a religion, it's a personal relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. That we can know his voice, that we can know his presence, that we can walk in intimate connection with him. What God was offering me was the greatest gift. I didn't realize it at the time. But when I started letting him meet my need, his way instead of my way, he began to overwhelm me with his goodness. Finally... Repent quickly if you stumble. When sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Some people think, well, I've already messed up. I might as well just go with it. You don't realize that sin, when it begins, it brings death. Turn away from it quickly. Repent quickly. Run back to God quickly. Reject whatever the sins, the temptations trying to get you to agree with. Reject it as a lie and embrace the truth that's in the word of God. Don't sit in it for a day because it weakens you. 
it hardens you. Don't agree with it because it literally many times brings its death into your life, into your soul. It begins to darken your mind, harden your heart, weaken your will. I mean, it is warring against you. Repent quickly and run back to the Lord. Many times I think we, well, I've already messed up. I might as well just sit here. And we can sit there for weeks and weeks, sometimes months. And then finally one day we get desperate enough, we cry out to God again. We need to repent quickly. Now, here's what I want to ask you. Every single person in here is facing temptation. Every one of us. Where are you under attack? Sincerely. Where is your point where the enemy's formed weapons against you? How is it coming at you? And I want you, I believe some of us in here really need to say, Lord, I want to bring this to you. And I want to ask you to begin to break through this temptation and bring the victory and the salvation that you promised me. I want to look at this differently. I want to walk this out differently. But I, this morning, want to come and ask for the victory of Jesus Christ to be applied to this battle in my life. Now, here's the truth. Whoever humbles himself will find the grace of God. God gives grace to the humble. So many of us just need to come here to this altar. Kneel down. There'll be people here to pray with. But you just come here and say, I really want to ask for God to give me victory. To break through. And I can begin to see his overcoming power in this area of my life. I really believe God wants to open up some reservoirs. Some of you were on that freedom retreat. There's literally things you prayed. And now even as we talked about it, you realize I don't have to go back into the old ways. Some of us are just in here right now and the Holy Spirit has just been tugging on your heart. Just tugging on your heart. Just come and kneel before the Lord. Turn to the Lord. And allow him to begin to do a work in you. It's not really the teaching that the breakthrough. The teaching is the seed. It's how you respond to it. That can begin to bring a spiritual breaking over your life. So let's rise to our feet. If I can have a few of our leaders stand here. Just come and just let, you can just come. Just come out. Don't even wait. We don't need to sing yet. You just step out. All across, you can see people where they're, they're knowing God wants to do some. Just come. You can pray with some. You can kneel at this altar if you just want to pray by yourself. There's more of you. There's several of you. Just need to step on out and say, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. We're going to sing this song. But I really know that some of you just take that step and say, Lord, I come to this altar. I lay this down. And I ask for you to begin to lead me into your victory. Father, we want to see the power of temptation broken. We are not meant to be victims. We are meant to be people that can walk in the fullness of the life and the liberty and the love of Jesus Christ. But right now, we're taking and coming before you and saying, break the, 
the, the power of temptation. Break the deception that these patterns have had in us. Break even the hold that it has had in our lives, God. We do not want to stay in them. We do not want to just go with them automatic like it owns us. It does not own us. We belong to Jesus Christ. We were bought with his blood. And so we ask the blood of Jesus to be applied and to begin to help break through thoughts and actions and patterns in our life. And there to be a real changing that takes place. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. As we sing, I just want to ask you just to come. Father, we want to pray right now. We want to come and lay down these battles, to lay down these needs, to lay down these areas where the enemy is just attacked and attacked and attacked. Lord Jesus, we want to break agreement with these things. We want to reject them. We want to say no to them. Whatever justifications, enticements, and ways they have tried to tell us that we've got to do it to come into agreement, we want to repent of that. We want to repent. They are not the way of God to deal with the areas of our life. They are not the way to protect us, meet our needs, to fulfill our lives, to bring about peace and joy. Lord Jesus, we want to cut them away. We want to cut their entanglements. We want to cut their deceptions. We want to cut their holes 
hold on our lives. We want to reject them and we want to turn to you. We want to trust you to fill us with the things that we need. We want to trust you to take us into the future you have. We want to trust you to be our defender, to be our one that watches over us, that takes care of us, that will see us all the way through. We want to turn to you to be the source and the supply that will fill our hearts with peace and joy and love and goodness and mercy and grace. We want to let go of resentment. We want to let go of fear. We want to let go of lust and greed. We want to let go of woundedness and pity. We want to cut those away, Jesus. And we want to begin to rise up in the strength that we have in the Savior Christ the Lord. We want to begin to rise up in the confidence that He's our defender. He's our protector. He's our need meter. Then so, Lord, we come to you. We come to you and say, break this hold. Break these lies. Break these mindsets in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Christ to cover our minds, to begin to erase these thoughts that have been just repetitive in us. God, begin to plow up this hard ground and make a new way. God, make a new way. We want to bow down in submission and say, Lord, I submit to you. I submit to you to be my leader and my caregiver. I submit to you to begin to lead my family where it needs to go. Just talk to the Lord. I'm really asking you with your own mouth. Talk to the Lord. We have not because we ask not. Speak to the Lord right now. We open our hearts. We open our hearts. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your love, your mercy, your cleansing power. Just even ask him to wash you clean. God, even as I confess and repent, wash me clean. Wash me clean that I can begin to take the hooks of this enticement out. Let me, let your light shine in me, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. You are greater than our enemy. Your power is greater than any force of hell. You are greater. You came to give us a way of salvation, of deliverance, of freedom, of liberty. Lord, even as we walk forward, we will run to you. We will turn to you. Lord, even as we stumble, we will run back to you. But we know victory is ours in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we come here and asking for the power of the blood of Jesus to be applied to our life, to my life. Just ask him, Lord, apply your cleansing, saving blood to my life, my heart, my mind. I love you, Jesus. Let me see my weapons to fight the enemy. Let me see when the enemy's even knocking at the door. Open my eyes to be aware, to be alert. Open my eyes that I may be sober and alert. And God, let me run to you. Let me run to you that I might stand in your power, not my willpower. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are conquerors through Christ Jesus. We thank you for the hope there is in Jesus. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Just give a hand clap to the Lord. Amen. If anybody, if anybody wants to, amen. 
If anybody wants to just pray, just feel like I'm not done yet. I just want to say, stay here a few minutes and just pray. Just, just stay. You can have someone pray with you. You can just stay here and pray. Don't rush out. Let the Lord finish it. But for the rest of us, we just want to release this service. I'll turn it over to you to close it.